and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each fortnight we invite our listeners to take 10 and get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. And joining me each podcast is our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew. Uh, Good morning, Alison. Thanks for joining me again. It continues to be very interesting in markets. We've had, you know, the almost a meltdown in the gilts market during the week. And then most recently overnight, we had a very interesting US data um, release with the inflation print. And I thought a very curious reaction from the markets. We had quite a sell-off when we, you know, the inflation came in a bit higher than expected, but then a really strong rebound. And you look at that, I've been doing a lot of sort of combing through the data and trying to work out why that is the case. Perhaps it's just optimism that inflation is it can't get any worse? Or is there other things that you've seen, Matthew? Yes, Alison, well, it's a wild night in markets overnight. And uh, as you said, it was the US CPI data that sparked it all off and uh, it came in higher than expectations, really stubborn um, you know, inflation, but importantly, two, the, the core inflation rate rising to multiple decade highs. And that really um, reinforced the idea that the Fed was going to have to continue with its jumbo rate hikes at 75 basis points um, next rate hike. And, and that's really making it hard for um, the Fed to manufacture, you know, that soft landing uh, that everyone's hoping for. So, Initially, as you said, uh, Alison, equity markets sold off. They sold off over 2% uh, on the announcement, but all of a sudden turned around and had a rally so that they rallied from that point uh, by about 5% to be 2.5% up um, yeah. on uh, the end of the trading, notwithstanding uh, a really sharp rise in, in interest rates, which typically is, you know, led to, um, you know, major sell-offs in uh, equities. What was behind it, Alison? Well, who really knows? Um, there's a number of technical reasons that could have uh, caused it. There was, um, you know, record uh, put options placed in the equity uh, market by investors, institutional investors leading into the CPI report. And on the initial uh, sell-off, the argument is that those uh, put options were in the money and as they were profits were taken, that sort of uh, put a floor under the uh, fall in equity market, started to t- turn it around. Also, at its uh, low point in the sell-off last night, the US equity market, the S&P 500, uh, retraced uh, 50% of the rally that had occurred post-pandemic, post-COVID pandemic, and, and that triggered quant purchases as you sort of hit that sort of trigger point of uh, 50% of, um, of the mm. retracement. And that also sparked purchases of S&P 500. And I suppose once you got the rally happening, you would get momentum traders coming back in. And so at the end of the day, you know, the market was up. But it, it really, I think the bottom line is it shows you how volatile and how how skittish markets are at the moment. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really just wasn't the, exp- the reaction I was expecting. But that's really interesting, Matthew. Thanks for that. But I did pick up a little hint in something else you said there about it's becoming increasingly difficult for the central banks to to achieve that soft landing. So it's going to be a bit cheeky because we have been debating about will we be in a recession or will we won't. I'm talking global here, not Australia. I think Australia might be slightly different. But I've been in the recessionary camp a bit more. Have you have you tipped over the edge, Matthew? Is there going to be a recession? <laughs> yes. Well, look, Alison, you're right. I mean, yesterday, for example, we got monthly GDP data from the UK, uh, negative for the month of August. UK is heading for a recession. Europe's likely to follow the Chinese economy. 
the latest forecast amongst um, uh, professional forecasters is that it will grow, that is the Chinese economy, by just 2.2% this year. And that's a, certainly a recessionary outcome for that economy, given, you know, remember their targeted growth rate, 6%. So globally, with inflation in major developed economies running in excess of 8% and recessionary rates of growth looming, uh, if not already upon us, I think we can uh, say we are experiencing uh, a stagflation, that is mm. uh, high inflation and recession, uh, for the first time since the 1970s, 1980s. So yes, I think we're now clearly heading into a uh, at least a mild recession um, in, in most countries. So, I, well done, Alison, uh, on your call. <laughs> well, I, I doff my professional cap to you for the time oh, being, anyway. Very kind, although I'm not sure that it's a, uh, a debate that one wants to win. No one really wants to go into a recession, but I, it, it does appear that, we, that that's the case. But Hopefully, Australia is still the lucky country. It does seem we're in a slightly different position here. Not that I think it will not feel painful for the average mum and dad, you know. Petrol is still expensive. The shopping basket is really expensive. But we do have some other positive attributes, which means that perhaps we will have a different outlook. But what's what's your view there? Are you still, still positive on Australia? Well, yes, uh, I will condition that with uh, taking your point. Uh, it's not going to feel great, and and the outlook is still for a, a, a lengthy period, you know, throughout next year of subtrend growth. So it's not going to feel great, but there's a very strong consensus view, and it's our view as well. But there's a very strong consensus view among forecasters, generally speaking, that Australia won't experience a recession like seen unfold in the UK at the moment, and you're likely to see also in Europe, if not uh, the US. So I suppose some of the differences between us and, and the, our uh, other developed country uh, colleagues is that although inflation in Australia is rising, we don't quite have the same pressure on energy prices as in the UK, although you know electricity prices are rising. It's nothing like what we're seeing in UK or Europe. And we don't have the same wage pressure as we see in the US, uh, even though wages are rising in Australia, not to the level you see in the US. So that dampens the inflation outlook a little bit uh, relative to the rest of the world. Consequently, uh, if you look at the pricing for where interest rates have got to go into in Australia, say the RBA cash rate, it's sort of topping out at, at around about a percentage point lower uh, than the US and two percentage points, for example, lower in the UK. Mm. Looking at you know, the other thing that can uh, support an economy during periods of slowdown, it's, it's household and, and business balance sheets. And they're, you know, overall, they're quite strong, as, as testified indeed by the RBA's recently released uh, quarterly uh, financial stability review. So in that review, for example, they point out that mortgage payments uh, are giving households a buffer against higher interest rates out to the end of 2023 and that uh, average household prepayments on their mortgages are about 20 months. In other words, the average household's 20 months in advance of their um, their mortgage payments. Also, household savings rates are still pretty high, around about 9%, and that also gives us a buffer. And finally, business balance sheets uh, are also pretty strong, as the RBA's report uh, points out. So gearing ratios are low, interest cover coverage ratios, um, that's their profits, um, over uh, interest payments are high at around two. Um, and liquidity ratios, that's the short-term assets to long-term 
uh, liabilities are also uh, relatively high. And finally, um, to your point about being a lucky country, we're being the major beneficiary of COVID. We've you know, sort of bucked the trend in a sense because of the high prices we're receiving for our bulk commodity exports of iron ore, coal and gas. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It, it, it? Well, hopefully, you know, that continues to be the case. But as you say, it may not feel it. You're listening to Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where Chief Economist Dr Matthew Peter and I are discussing the economic and market outlook. And Matthew, in, in light of that, you know, we're talking, you, you've really alluded to the fact that internationally, potentially a more shallow recession, notwithstanding the fact we may be in a stagflationary environment and, and in Australia we'll be uh, hopefully on the other side of that with lower growth but still positive positive growth. But it's a question, I guess, where does that lead us to markets? And we have been chatting over the last couple of weeks that we felt that perhaps equity markets weren't recognising the signals that perhaps bond markets were telling us. And we have over the last couple of weeks actually maybe seen some of that come through. We have seen a retracement now of the S&P, which is off approximately 25% from its peak. But looking at the um, mine models and analysis suggests that perhaps that's really just adjusting for real bond yields rather than perhaps any concerns that might be present in markets in relation to expected earnings in a slowing environment or perhaps margin compression in an inflationary environment. And it really seems to me that perhaps the market isn't looking at those things as much as perhaps it could. And maybe that means there could be a little bit more downside risk. But what are your models telling you, Matthew? Oh, well, I, th- I think your analysis is exactly right, Alison. Uh, I mean, going back to your point about interest rates first, and then I'll, I'll talk quickly about the earnings outlook. Interest rates have been going up. The nominal interest rates have been going up steadily, actually, since, um, you know, around about April 2020. Yet, right up until the start of this year, those that rise in interest rates was consistent also with, uh, you know, big rally in equity markets. And the reason for that is that whilst interest rates were going up, which is typically bad for um, equity valuations, really it was driven by inflation expectations, real yields stayed low, and the outlook was strong, proving, I should say. So that that, uh, that sort of underpinned the rally. What changed this year, and you're dead right, there was a pivot in bond markets where inflation expectations sort of got back to a level that where markets felt comfortable. But further interest rate rises were, were being matched uh, or been driven by real interest rate increases. So that lengthy period of negative real interest rates, which we know is su- gives such a tailwind to risk assets, came to an end at the start of this year. And you can see the rollover of equity markets uh, occurring precisely at the time when real interest rates started to rise. Mm. Now, real interest rates um, rising have driven markets down at a time when the earnings outlook, the other sort of factor that usually um, affects um, equity valuations, has remained quite robust. Yes. And that's quite surprising to some extent because the outlook for the economy has actually been deteriorating, yet those earnings um, expectations have remained quite strong. And that's also evident in the very high margins that we're seeing companies book. What I think going forward is that the next stage of weakness uh, or the next threat to uh, the equity outlook, apart from continued increases in real interest rates, if central banks continue to have to force higher interest rates in excess of the current expectations. 
will be a down a downturn in earnings. Now, when you're looking out at the um, at the economic environment, as we just discussed, you know, a mild recession is is highly likely. A soft landing is absolute best you're going to achieve. That's not a strong economic environment. It's not an environment where you expect earnings to do eight or nine percent growth this year and next. So, if you did get a, a situation where the earnings retrace, let's say margins came back to their pre-COVID levels, or in other words, um, earnings grew at a much more modest rate consistent with the economic growth of, of sub 5%, closer to zero perhaps, even without earnings turning negative, growth turning negative, you could easily get a retracement from here in fair value of um, the S&P 500s by around about 10%. Now, if that occurred in an orderly fashion whilst the economy is adjusting, then maybe things will um, sort of right themselves by the end of next year. But if that happens in a disorderly fashion, you know, who knows, we could see an overshoot, we could see downside um, from here, another shift down, a significant shift down in equities. So I agree, Matthew, it's a really interesting environment and and, and challenging for investors. Um, I think there are some definite clouds on the horizon with that, you know, the, the earnings expectations that are being priced into markets. But again, I think the timeline have got the better of us, Matthew. Um, Always a lot to talk about. So thank you for joining me, Matthew. And thank you to our listeners for taking 10.